podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I would much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Thank you for listening to... The Ask Your Old Head podcast, so uh, me and Majestic about to get into it uh, around uh, Reservation Dogs and um, and a little bit of Puffy, a little bit of Puffy and uh, Jermaine Dupree on the back end. So thank you for listening and let's go. Peace. I'm Majestic. Justice Raji, my man. Hey, what's happening, man? So, um, well, I'm just going to get into it. Um, so... This week, I wanted to start off, there's a show on Hulu, uh, it's called Reservation Dogs, um, from the co-creators, executive producers, uh, Sherlyn Harjo and Tiki Watiti. Um, I'm not familiar with other works by Sterling Harjo, but Tiki Watiti, if you are a fan of the Marvel Universe and if you enjoy Thor Ragnarok, that's Tiki Watiti. And also, he's got some other um, other good, you know, product. Is he about the... I know another movie about, but I might not be that movie. But you know what I'm saying? He's he's you know, I like that guy. Um, and I enjoyed Sterling production there too. Um, basically it's a half hour comedy uh that talks about the exploits of four indigenous teenagers in rural Oklahoma. I'm reading this from the show description, so just so the world knows. Um, uh, who rob, steal, and save in order to get to the exotic, mysterious, faraway land of California. Um and I just wanted to add on about it for a second because it's um, one, it's, it's, it's a good show. Um, it's, it's funny, <laughs> it's, it's entertaining, it's enlightening. Um, you know, but also the thing that really struck me, and I was able, you know, I think it's only eight episodes in the first this first run. Um, you know, and I think in, I, I'm, you know, I'm gonna take a swing, but I think in our in my lifetime, in terms of a show that the, the central figures and primary figures were all indigenous community members, um, I don't recall it ever happening. Right. To my knowledge, at least not on any like network that would be, we would consider, you know, I mean, what's prime time now, but at least something where you could access it easily and like it would be like featured and it's like, yo, this show is on and what have you. And I thought it was um, so. I think it's like it's a pretty dope little sort of step in, you know, what I mean, to that world, that community. Um, they have been in Oklahoma, um, and then living out here in the West, you know, we grew up. You, you got all the names and the words and the names of streets and the names of areas and things that that let you know the indigenous past of the area, but you may or may not see the people, right? You know what I mean, to the right. same degree yeah. level, unless you, you know, are some way situated positions where you have that connection. I mean, I, I grew up uh, close to, you know, reading basically across the highway from the uh, uh, Rancocas uh, Reservation, 
which wasn't a very large reservation, but it was actually a reservation there. And I went to a powwow there a couple of times in my youth. Um, but, you know, I, I think that was probably an outlier for New Jersey. <laughs> I don't think yeah. That. And I'm, and yeah. I'm almost positive that there's people who I grew up with who didn't really recognize, like, there's, there's, wait, there's a real there's a, res- there's a reservation over there? Yes, it's right over there. It's like, right. if you don't go on 295 and you go over, there's a sign for a state park and there's another sign and that sign is there's a reservation there. But in any event, um, no, I think I think just to, to your point, I think the East Coast experience around native populations is an interesting one, especially for those of us, you know, the, for black folks. Right. Because if you're black on the East Coast, you're talking about somebody in your family mm-hmm. <laughs> that would that was native. Right. <laughs> Usually somebody from somewhere in North Carolina, or some variation of something. That was a native and that person in your family. And, you know, you show people who show pictures of that person and you'd be trying to guess who's black and guess who's not. Right. You know, we got that in our in our community. <laughs> guess who's black and guess who's, who's Indian. Right. <laughs> Which has its own complications to it. Mm-hmm. Um, then you like you said, you have all these streets that are named for indigenous and native people. Right. Without seeing them. Mm-hmm. Right. And then mm-hmm. you have, you know, I won't go deep into this, but then you have the other part of the side of people in your family, which is people, you know, talking about their status as native people and kind of that that whole space, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think on the East Coast level, you're right in that there's like this, um, it, it has this almost like mystical quality, right? It doesn't have like a, I've met somebody, right? Ex- except again, somebody's grandmother or somebody's great uncle. Right, who had long hair, and as we use it as proof that like they were Indian, right? Um, or the you know always present, especially when we were younger. You know, somebody got Indian in their family because their hair frame that the hair is different. You know, and so let's just get this out the way here. Yeah. That doesn't mean anyone in your family was native because right. black folks and their hair can be different. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just want to give an alert for everybody listening. Black right. folks' hair can be different. We right. don't. You don't have to be indigenous. You don't have to be Puerto Rican. You don't have to be Cuban. You don't have to be from the Indian subcontinent for your hair grade to be different. Right. A variety yeah. of textures and forms. <laughs> yeah, like let's just you know what I mean. Let's just yeah, people can show up differently. Um. Interestingly, what I'll say is there was a brother who was um, in my childhood, actually, interesting. He was full, like full-blooded Native. Um, but because he lived in the African-American community, it was just like, he's in, like he's Native, but kind of like, so what? And not in a negative way, mm-hmm, but kind of like mm-hmm. one of those like, oh, he's Native. Yeah, cool. Right. That, that's the uh, that's brother. Yeah, yeah. Like you know what I mean. Like that. That's it. And then his children were black and, and native, right? Because their mm-hmm. mother uh, identified as black. So, and they were just kids, right? Like so, right. you do have that kind of, you know, meshing in the. I think on the East Coast in different ways than you would on the in the Midwest and in the West, where it's just a different cultural history, right? So, just to add on to, I think where you're from frames also kind of how you understand the indigenous population besides like the obvious genocide and and you know erasure yeah yeah and i and i, and I think i mean actually erasure is one of the places i'd like to start because i think the thing that sometimes our community 
entertainment is one of the lanes where we have had, you know, not always the opportunity to be represented well, but, you know, one of the lanes where we have not faced as much restriction to be engaged. And then Mm -hmm. over time, you know, and and I'm sure folks that work in entertainment can, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll tell you, you know, we ain't there yet, you know, depending on how you feel about the recent Emmys. Um, but the idea that, you know, we have a pretty, at this point, ubiquitous presence, you know what I'm saying? And, and all the, you know, especially you know, the television entertainment and other things, you know, they got shows, you know, uh, I guess as a, as a, an analogy that some would get, you know, currently in the NFL, I think it's like 10 or 11 black quarterbacks that I yeah. think are almost starting. And most of them, there's a bunch of them that ain't necessarily good. They just, all right. Right, which is an achievement because usually in the past you was black quarterback, you had to be fucking awesome. Like you right, didn't get right. to play. Like <laughs> right, right. You couldn't be a, a journeyman backup black quarterback. From a the long ability time. to be mediocre. It, there's a weird thing in in American society where the ability to be mediocre means you've made it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like, it, 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 to the degree now, like you know, there, there's there's gripping black dramas where it's like, oh shit, it's ill. Folks around black characters, and you know, and then there's these, you know, uh, what they call them, the multi-cast member dramas where there's a couple black people and there's some other people and these other cultures. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we kind of got it widespread. Now there's definitely, you know, room for better, room for more. But you know, I would say. Um, from uh, what's his name? Um, Insecure to uh, uh, what's the John on? Uh, you got Black Lightning, you know what I'm saying? You got Hero, Black yeah. people. I mean, you know, to, to your point, to the point where we're able to have horrible Black shows like Tyler Perry's The White House. I don't know if you've ever seen that shit, but that shit's horrible. I've heard about it. I ain't seen that shit is, man, this shit is horrible, man. Like, <laughs> If, if again, if the ubiquitous mediocrity is any indicator that you've made it, then we have made it, made it, because that shit is horrible, man. I, you know, I, my vantage point on Tyler Perry has shifted over time. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, I acknowledge I've had to had some growth around what I understood as his 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 perspective and you know the messages and the way that he went about his business, mm-hmm. and I honor him as an artist again. But the idea that you know you made it and you can be mediocre mean we didn't made it. That's yeah. trash. <laughs> and anybody watch it, if, if anybody sees it and don't think it's trash, please call up or hit Justice or hit me and say, hey, it wasn't trash. Because we can debate that. We can do a Kevin Samuels. We'll get you on the line. And I will <laughs> argue you down. <laughs> I will argue you down like Kevin Samuels argue people down. That nigga, man. Tell me about that plot point. <laughs> Why are the bad people dark skin in this show? <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Uh, oh, I watched Kevin. I uh, I watched Kevin Samuels yesterday, man. Oh, he's the wildest guy in the world, man. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. My fault. Indeed, we've had this. At some point, we need to circle and talk about that <laughs> as a cultural phenomenon. Maybe not today, but <laughs> and so you know what? What I was you know pointing to was like we could take for granted the idea that like a show is on TV, it touches base with something in your community, you know, and FX as a network kind of like friend, like, yeah, I mean, does like kind of surrealist stuff. So, you know, you think about, you know, me as a, I'm a big fan of AT, uh, 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 of Atlanta, 
And the shows, you know, definite touch on blackness, but then also a surreal, you know, I mean, kind of a surrealist feel. And 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 but you know, do you get these things that make you laugh, but also it's like, oh shit, that's that's serious, that's like a serious ass issue you just touch based on. And like I said, I don't think there's any, I don't, I don't recall having the opportunity in this format to watch any shows, especially comedic, because you know, usually in America we want to take you know, you want to have the gripping drama about indigenous community, which I could imagine, you know, similar to how sometimes we're like, yo, man, can't we have some fun and laugh at some shit? Like, every time you put us on TV, it's, just, it's, it's a day when you put that downtone music, like, that a very special episode of 48 Hours, you know what I'm saying? Or like, in a serious session of SVU, you know what I'm saying? And then you talk about us, and it's like, nah, man, like, sometimes we, you know, for whatever hardships and, and, and tough things that are part of our lives, we have fun, too. You know what I'm saying? And I think the show, um, for me, I feel like I like you got a little bit, you know, of an entryway into a community. Um, and at least from the what I've been able to filter, right? You know, so I have, you know, a couple of different, you know, social media lenses and people that I follow um that I've, I've see seem to be, you know, on point, you know, contact points. With that community is that within the community it's like yeah this is this is touching base on stuff that we understand you know what i'm saying um and i think that's that thing is dope you know what i mean and i think it's i think it's a good thing um you know just as a, as a baseline the other thing that um yeah so i guess my first question to you is what what was it some of your thoughts of, of the show itself or what you've seen or anything that's coming to your mind about. Yeah, so a couple of things. One, <clears throat> just to add on regarding the erasure conversation, because I do think that's important versus someone always presenting you negatively, just mm-hmm. not presenting you, right? <laughs> right? Like there's a, there's a difference with somebody trying to actively use television to destroy you, which I would <clears throat> argue has been done to Black folks continuously mm-hmm. and, some, and sometimes still is, mm-hmm. versus beyond negative depictions in 1960s television shows or early 70s television shows just an erasure of the fact that there are millions of a people right and i mean to some degree you you do also see it it's less like it's less maybe a little bit with the the latino world and acknowledging as we've talked about before that cubans in new york and Mexicans in, you know, California often culturally are as different as the world can be. They just mm-hmm. have, they both speak Spanish and they tend to be Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, trying to paint all that community in one is difficult in itself. Um, but it's even different than that, right? I think it's more just like we're just going to act like this group of people don't exist, because to your point earlier, to the vast majority of people in America. Indigenous people don't exist, right? Besides cities where there are large urban um, native populations like Minneapolis, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the, the, same, the the Twin Cities and other places in kind of like that Midwest area where you have just like large populations of, of, of native communities, they don't exist to people. So TV is not going to show you a conversation about a people who quote unquote don't exist to you. Right, mm-hmm. which is one of the challenges of a 
using media and using paid television as a means for representation, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's no reason for someone in New York to think about the native population any more than it is for someone in LA. They're much, they're going to think about black folks. They're going to think about, uh, you know, the Chicano population out there. You know, they're just going to have a different conversation, right? Um, so I think that this was good. And, and then one thing is important is that this was done on the terms of native people talking about native people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's also a place where and unique about the show, very similar to ATL, uh, is this idea of we're going to talk about ourselves honestly, right? Like we're not trying to present something to you. This isn't the Budweiser Kings of Africa, Kings and Queens of Africa. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and shout out, shout out to Budweiser Kings and Queens of Africa. All they did for us in the 80s. I ain't trying to knock it. I enjoyed it. And, and still enjoy it. I and still you. enjoy when I see the Hannibal poster. That's still the Hannibal poster, man. I get a little warm spot, right? Yeah, you get a little warm spot. You remember when somebody went had a six pack? Yeah. Somebody family went a six pack and brought back, you know what I mean? Showing, showing you, you know, Queen Heptafoot, you know what I mean? <laughs> in in uh, antiquity. Uh, um, My teacher had that up in school. Like, that was... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, if you're a certain age, you black, you just a joke. But why the Kings of Queens after you? Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, but I think they just told a real story, right? They told an authentic story, which in some ways is the most freeing because they can see themselves and they can present themselves saying, yeah, here's what's going on, but here's the tension between native medicine and mm. and, and the clinic, mm. right? Like, let's have this conversation where the, the, the you know, say the native medicine folks will sit up in front of, in front of the health clinic and say, don't go over there, buy our stuff. <laughs> All right, get some of this. Get, get some, yep. get some of this. But then you ask them for something, you ask them something, they say, no, we don't have nothing for that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the ironies of it and how I think they bring to bear the ironies. Another thing I quickly wanted to say was the power of even looking at, you know, the reservation and the reservation being a multiracial place, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which again, I think, you know, America doesn't comprehend, like we might not comprehend that you, there are places where it's a mostly native population and there are black folks there too. Right. right. Or a mostly native population, because again, we have the conversation, especially in Oklahoma about, you know, <clears throat> native, black natives, right? And mm-hmm. it's just all, all is there, right? And the whole complicated history of the Trail of Tears and what Oklahoma represented for, you know, uh, Native tribes and native, you know, that brought slaves with them and the complications of that, right? I mean, there's a there's a lot written, there's a lot wrapped up there, right? Yeah. yeah. But just even having white folks there, having any kind of folks there, just showing that even in this community, you're having this almost like multicultural the way they present, even the black characters or white characters, or you know. Uh, so yeah, so I just think that that's a really, really important and powerful part of how they are using media to give an authentic, nuanced story. Yeah, and, um, you know, the piece that was striking me again, like if you ever, if you ever been to Oklahoma, I think it's, it's actually filmed, you know what I'm saying, Oklahoma, it's not, it's not filmed in, you know, I don't know, Toronto or something saying it's Oklahoma or, right, you know, right. some, uh, I mean, not that they are, you know, it's like Oklahoma is, is a very Oklahoma place. I've been to Oklahoma a couple of times. Uh, work and got you know once 
one of the times stayed on the, the Western Band of Cherokee um, at the, I want to say that was at a school we stayed at. Some kids, I think it was school. You know, and it, 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 it has a feel, right? And it is in, and it, the, the degree to which our society, you know, wants to sort of not let you know how places feel. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like you know, you, you see right. things, no. you you know, like when you uh, I've been watching, uh, you know, uh, slid back and watching the wire again, and when you see the Baltimore row houses, like Baltimore row houses ain't they, like they're very similar to Philadelphia row houses or Trenton row houses or Camden right. row houses, but they ain't the same. It's like it no. feels like Baltimore. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like yeah. there's something to you know, New York feels like New York. Like you 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 can't fake Harlem. <laughs> if you say you were moving right. to Harlem or a show in Harlem or stories in Harlem, and you you I mean you probably can fake a little bit, you know what I mean? But you can't fake it overall. Like at some point, if you really want me to feel like this is happening in Harlem, like I need to see some Harlem things. You know well, I mean? you can't fake it in a serious undertaking, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. if you really want this to be like you're saying, if it's serious, if it's like, you know, everybody hates Chris or something, right? Yeah. That's fine. You filmed it in you filmed it in California. We get that, yeah. right? Yeah. Good on set. <laughs> It's all good. Yeah, yeah, so it's all good. That's where you did it. But if like you wanted to have some heft and some 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 density, you have to do that. And and I will say, watching it, and even the framing of the sparseness and you know of the kind of distance between folks and all that kind of stuff and the walking and just from talking to people who have had that experience, saying like that is extremely authentic to how it is, mm-hmm. right? which to your point, I think gives us an insight, right? How fleeting of like, here's a lifestyle of people are living, right? Here's this idea that people are living here and think about going somewhere else. And like, but you know why they're trying to get out and that's not to denigrate that place. But it's, I think when you see it appropriately, then you, then it adds some credibility to the story of like, here's why this group of this four group of young people want to go somewhere else. Yeah. I- and um, <clears throat> and I appreciate that you know the show engages you know engages like serious you know community societal issues. I mean, you you talk about the health clinic, you know what I'm saying, and oh, here's out front, like I said, with the traditional methodologies, and then inside, like when they go in, first everybody's at the clinic, right? Like it ain't right. just the 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 the, the indigenous community, not just the native community, it's other folks, and you know when I've, you know, places where I've engaged or had that opportunity, like that, that'd be the case. It'd be services that it ain't just like, you know, it's, it's the clinic <laughs> that's around right. here. You know what I mean? Right. So you, you might think from like a social, you know, social infrastructure perspective that like, um, and, and sometimes I would say in our community, where we might opine to this idea of, um, like, yeah, and it's just ours. And it's like, well, yeah, but then if you about health, you, you probably gonna serve whoever's around. Like you, you ain't just like, oh no, hey brother, <laughs> you went to wait. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But then, you know, when the system goes up and they like, uh, what's my man? He's like, they can't find his information and like, and like, oh no, nah, hold on, we gotta check in. I mean, he's like, my mom works here. Like, how y'all don't how y'all don't know me, right? But shit like that is is real shit in 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 that community because depending on status situations, you know the various ways the history of the federal government's engagement and um, you know engagement might be a soft word um, treatment 
you know, they didn't put, you know, you got all kinds of like folks that, you know, clearly of, of that community, but then it's like, well, according to the paperwork, you ain't in the community or, you know, all these other things. So you may not be able to access things that you should be able to access because of someone else's declaration and determination, you know, similarly, you know, to the way we all deal with, with the powers of the state and the powers of uh, that be, so to speak, um, you know, to access the world and to, to display that, where at least if you're looking, right, you know, I'm sure some people that might flew over the head, may not, I don't know. But then also it's like, it's a story, like it ain't, we're not here to, to have a uh, a 40 minute, like, mm, terrible state of the medical system. You know what I mean? It's right, like, right, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I think they gave it to us in a way that's like, hey, this is a thing. And it's, mm-hmm. and, and we're, we're almost normalizing it so that mm-hmm. it's, surreal and almost just like oh that's what it is at the same time which i think sometimes it's good for people because i think repeated ideas of like do you see how bad this is do you see how bad this is right it's kind of like that's a short-term strategy where i think them just showing you yes there are people here and you're coming in to get treatment and they're looking for sicknesses that ain't there right like okay you know what i mean so you kind of get a look at how lopsided and surreal it really is you know, and I thought it did a really good job of, and it does a really good job of doing that. Another thing I want to touch on was and is the the culture conversation. And I know mm-hmm. you and I have had this conversation of like, you know, there's sometimes where you can think of culture and, you know, if you, you know, you black and you like, okay, this is, and sometimes you might think of things as black culture. Mm-hmm. And you may take, there's a variety of things that we take as black culture, I think for a variety of reasons. Um, and you may not recognize that there are cultures formed out of isolation, marginalization that you might call black, but ain't black in itself, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so even much of what you see, you know, in the behaviors and some of the activities which might mimic things that people may attach to black culture you know what i'm saying i think it's really interesting to watch you know that on there and then you know also to your point of like okay there's wu-tang everywhere right Mm -hmm. it's all this stuff you know my man's pop was a you know just a rapper right right? Right. Right. big chains on and but then you're thinking it's like this but then you're listening and talking about the role of native men versus native women and native men going away and Native women having to like stay and and keep the community, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I think we often think that the only people that happened to in the world was black folks, right? Where men will go and do something, and women have to stay and hold quote unquote hold down the fort, and that's you know the terminology be damned. But like <laughs> you know, um, I, so I just think it's important to, that it, it under it shows some cultural context that I think we can forget about, or even you know the group of the kids that's like Crips, mm-hmm. right? Because obviously Crips started from LA culture, but it's not germane just to LA culture no more. And it's not germane just to black folks. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and seeing that. Yeah, and then I think it's, it's, it, it shows, to me it touches on that, I mean, even, I mean, obviously it's, it's built into the name, but the, the reality that things, once things are out in the world, once ideas are out in the world and they're flowing around, people pick up on what they pick up on. 
um, and also similarly situated people sometimes pick up on similar things and go, oh, that seems like something, you know, you could adapt that to our situation or, you know, it fits in this way or, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the brothers, the rapping brothers that, that, you know, keep everybody informed of what's happening in the streets. You know what I'm saying? That they ride on their, uh, they, you know, they chromed out you know, <laughs> the Nancy Jones. You know what I'm saying like though that's a that's the that's a that's a special set of brothers, man. Like they but 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 it's like it's something that you would know, right? Maybe from your community, but it's in within the form, you know, how they came to that you know, that the sort of that manifestation, that understanding. And um like it, it's a to me, it, it's a opportunity to Not a not a world we're all the same. Not that, um, but that we have similar things, right? And and then also even the, the sort of you know everybody got disaffected youth. You know what I'm saying? Like kids don't want to be here. Kids want to be over there. I don't like this place. I'm upset with this. You got family stuff going on. Yeah, you know I mean you got uh you know certain families even within the community that are a little more you know stable or whatever have you. Um, but the, also showing sort of the, the different ways, you know, due to way gender and what have you plays out in our society, that it plays out differently in their community, right? And, um, you know, I, I, I would really, I enjoyed the show, but also it's like, not just as like spectacle, so to speak, but like as right. okay, like I feel like I'm touching base. Um, I'm also being entertained. You know what I mean? Like, you know, with my man's in the first, you know, he get lumped up and he keep going like I got some good ones in though. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like you got jumped, fam. <laughs> like, <laughs> what you talking about? You if you know, but but you but if you know if you ever you know been jumped or had a friend that been jumped, you know you got to do they got to do you got to do something to sort of save your own character. Like, yeah, man, you know what I mean? They jumped on me, you know, man. But you know, I got a couple ones in there. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I touched a couple of them, you know. I think I got my man an eye one time, right? Like, right. but he, you know, he 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 was going back to that for you know multiple days. Like, yeah, I got some good ones in there. You know what I'm saying? Like that that is a it's a specific response, you know, for him, you know, for the character, but it also is a response, like, yeah, I, you know, I can see somebody doing that, like even if they wasn't, you know, my man's, you know, out in the reds and uh Oklahoma, like if you got lumped up, you be trying to find them. Start, start telling people, right? You start telling people, start framing it for spinning it. Like, hey, no, no, I was in it too. And everybody's like, man, you wasn't in it. You yeah, got man. beat up. Yeah, it is what it is. Like, <laughs> you, you know lumped. what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And so, no, but I think that, that, you know, that whole, I mean, the longing for fatherhood, like all that kind of stuff, which, like you said, it's not that we're all the same. But the factors in America of white supremacy, of racism, you know, the confluence of all these things can produce similar outcomes in different communities. Mm -hmm. But because we don't see it, because of that erasure, we think, and this is for Black folks, we think we're the only ones who have those experiences. Mm -hmm. So we end up thinking that we have some sort of lock on dysfunction, right? We think that we have a lock on the engagement that has happened because of these confluence of these systems. And I think the show brings it to bear. It's like, no, 
when a variety of things has happened to a people and especially what have happened to 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 native people in this country you know you're going to get some you're going to get some you know not just challenging outcomes and like this ain't good times right mm -hmm. but you're going to get some things that happen while people are living their lives so mm -hmm. you know for me to your point it gave a, i think an insight with some real character to like this is a community and letting a community being seen how it defines itself versus us trying to do Native History Month or, you know, try to talk about all the bad things that are happening, which neither paint people in their humanity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we rob people of their humanity by trying to present the picture that we think is the best for people to see, whether it's all good or all bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Plus, yeah. old head with the weed is hilarious. Oh yeah, that's the, the episode. My man, he he unearths the weed and think that he gonna sell it like it's antique, like that the marijuana gets cannabis. You know, pardon me, the cannabis gets better over time. <laughs> like, it's, it's vintage. This is vintage cannabis. Like, yeah, like you know what I mean. Like, Realize it. It's a rocket fuel out here. Anybody <laughs> trying to anybody trying to smoke uh, smoke that man? This is a rocket fuel ready to go out these parts. And he dug, he dug it out the, the, the like he dug it out the yard. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I was like yeah, yeah, let me go take me into town. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna get this money, then I'll make my next move. But it's like, yo, fam, situation times have changed, man. Like, everybody trying to get your old man weed. Like, got a whole but store I, with weed in it. <laughs> but I thought that was that was a beautiful telling of someone who's like, hey, listen, I'm keeping, I'm keeping to the way I was doing stuff, and so here's who I am, and here's where I've been. But the world is kind of like, yo, that's who you are and that's cool, but we're at a different place, which again, I think it's a universal theme of any community where someone's like, here's how we used to do it. And the world's like, yes, but we've kind of moved on past that space. So no, uh, definitely anyone, you know, those listeners, please give it a, check it out. I think it's definitely worth your, your time, not only on a learning level, but it's, it's just funny too. It's which funny, is it's like it's a good show. It's a good show, yeah. It's a good show. Like we didn't, you know I mean? we didn't no ask more. you to go watch a documentary. It's a good show, <laughs> right? And, and don't, well, I, I'll, I'll just say it. Don't feel like you need to go do some sort of penance by watching like a documentary, uh, a, a documentary, or some other sad like I gotta watch something serious about the community so I can, you know, be ready for talk and laugh. It's okay to enjoy. It. Like it's a comedic show. Like it, you're supposed to find some joy and some laughs and in, in what they're doing right. and. And the only thing else I guess I just wanted to touch on too, though, was the importance from an infrastructure perspective is that, you know, and I and I'm, you know, I haven't been able to do a lot of reading, but you know, I imagine some of the, the I mean, some of the as you watch the show, there's folks that are on the show that are performers, you know, actors that you've seen in other things where they didn't necessarily get to be themselves in terms of culturally in whatever you've seen them in before. You know what I'm saying? They was they was ambiguous, uh, you know what I'm saying, and you know, and person ambiguous origin, you know, uh character actor or uh you know, uh, was it uh I was trying to remember was an actor talking about, you know, maybe I think it was uh, like a Middle Eastern one of the Middle Eastern community, maybe I think it was Lebanese actor talking about playing, you know, everything from you know, uh, a Bedouin or a Moroccan to like basically whatever you think these people look like, they slot me in. Like I'll never get to be myself in the movie, you know what I'm saying? Or mm. a person from where I'm from, you know what I'm saying? And so I could imagine for many of these performers, 
having the opportunity to be actually in your cultural space, you know, in your culture, in your work. <laughs> You know what I'm saying is dope. You know what I'm saying, and and I'm I guess I'm a, as a proponent of. I'd like to see more. You know what I'm saying. I'd like to see you know more stories. You know coming out of, of, of that community and a community similarly situated because um you know you you know it's 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 a good thing to see people. So that's all I'm saying on that. And then uh, if you got something else, no no no. So we gonna pivot. So. So in other news, <laughs> <laughs> the phenomenon of, of the verses is the content creation that just keeps on giving. Uh, <laughs> after, I guess, I don't know the timing of the sequence, but somewhere between... It was after Yabu, the Fat, jo- fat Yeah, Joe it was song, after... Yeah. Puffy and Rain Dupree and, and so either somebody said it or somebody called Puffy. I don't know exactly where it started. It was Fat Joe. It was Fat Joe, Puff, Snoop, and JD on a four-way Instagram live or some shit. Ah, yeah. And Puffy just basically goes all the way in on how like they made the pre can't fuck with him. It's hilarious. I guess first I'll just I'll just give you a chest pass. Like, what, yeah. what the hell you think about that? <laughs> So, I mean, so it's actually interesting. I think like most things in the world, to actually talk about it, you have to talk a little bit about what comes before it so it can make mm-hmm. sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you got the, the Ja Rule and Fat Joe versus, which I think most people thought was going to be disappointing after the Dipset mm-hmm. blocks one. So clearly Fat Joe tried to use the Jadakiss and Locks model against Fat Joe. I mean, against Ja Rule, which mm. I think one thing people can forget, if you're a certain age and under, Ja Rule was like your high school music, mm-hmm. right? Ja Rule had the three or four years, which might have defined your high school time. And guess what? You're 33 now, 34, right. <laughs> if that happened, right? <laughs> if you went to school anywhere from 90 to, 99 or 2000 to 2003 or four. Ja Rule was like the soundtrack to your childhood. Yeah. We can forget that, right? For us, he was the guy that was on Mike Geronimo's song right. or some <laughs> shit, Cash Money Click. Like, you know right. what I mean? Like, you know, and so it was kind of like, okay, and was the guy rap with Jay-Z and DMX on some songs. But if you're somebody else, millions of people, Ja Rule was like your eighth grade dance, your prom thing. And I think we downplayed that. And, and I think Ja Rule, to his credit, did not allow us to downplay right. that he had a really hot he had a, he had a run. He he had a run, right? And and Fat Joe tried to use, I think, his things that no one thought were strengths to his benefit. But again, that's like us talking about listening to Flow Joe and represent, right? <laughs> and like these songs from like 1993 when we would go, you would go over to the shopping center over in Willingboro to get the get the tape. I go to King James or go downtown in Philly to get the tape. So it's like that ain't gonna ring well because even the difference of when now this is Fat Joe's hits notwithstanding, which he has a lot of them. But even the time that Fat Joe was doing like the hardcore mixtape hip hop was different than when JD Kissenden was doing it because JD Kissenden was still doing it towards the end of the '90s, where Fat Joe and Pun's time was ninety, you know, ninety-seven. 
95, 96 through 98, right? Like, even though those times are close to each other, they're different in who listened. So anyway, basically, Fat Joe, you know, I think generally speaking, people say Fat Joe lost or whatever. But Fat Joe being this really interesting kind of like representative of like, you know, kind of hip hop via his shows and all that. Yeah, he can get, he's one of the few people that can get Diddy, Ja Rule, Diddy, Jane Dupree, and Snoop all on something to talk. And then did he just start being Diddy? You know, he had that reflective time and shit after everything has happened to him, which I respect. But clearly, he's back to being—he's back to being Puff now. Right. <laughs> he's clearly back to being Puff. And told him, "Your arms are too short to box with me, motherfucker." You know what I mean? And you know, I, I guess what I'll start, and then you know, please is. I think there's something interesting here about an impresario versus an actual producer. Mm-hmm. And I think hip hop and then hip hop has blurred these lines in like three or four different ways of like who could do a ver- who can do a versus and what belongs to you versus what belongs to somebody else, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, Puff and by extension, not by extension, Puff and also Dr. Dre, they're people who have been producers in the broadest sense of the term right we know that there were some other that for puff and dr dre that there were some other you know knob turners right (laughs) there were some people who actually did the thing Mm -hmm. and then you know uh puff all the way and then dr dre to some degree would come in and make it it the thing right Mm -hmm. he would make it the thing and then it would be the thing with jermaine dupree while you may argue not having some of the sheen and all encompassing, like dominating music that you would think from both of those. Cause you know, Diddy said the only person he can go against is Dr. Dre. Jermaine Dupree is unique in that he actually produced the thing. Right. <laughs> like, like he actually turned the knob himself. Right. Right. And I think so thinking about black music and what that means of like just a person that says, hey, I'm a producer versus the person who actually told you to change the pitch and like, you know, <laughs> rearrange the, rearrange the melody, you know, uh, it is a, is a different unique thing. So I just wanted to get your take on that. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's almost like the difference between being the person who like conceived and constructed the song. Like you think of, I mean, taking it to a different era, but like Quincy Jones could play all played instruments, can write the music and, piece together the parts can, you know what I'm saying? Like, so we'd be like, oh, man, Quincy Jones, man. And, and you may may or may not be aware of how much music Quincy Jones is responsible for its creation. Right. Like, Puffy ain't Quincy Jones. <laughs> you know what I'm right. Like now, but Puff, now what I will give Puff credit for, Puffy got an ear quite clearly, right? And, and, and somehow within his own arc, tapped into a pulse to be able to Listen to what you know to one assemble people, you know, I mean, which he he deserves credit for, and then to see where like you have a song that is going to transcend its its genre to a degree, right? It's going to become a hit outside of just the people who already like that kind of music, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, to the degree that it you know, you know, you know, know, despite his untimely death, you know, that biggie you know, could transcend out of sort of hip hop, 
right? To just being like, oh, yeah, like everybody knows Biggie's Biggie, Biggie, Notorious B.I.G. Like, right. there ain't necessarily a reason that you would you would listen to Juicy and and, and love it if you wasn't like us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't totally know how you feel the same about Juicy as I feel about Juicy. You know what I'm saying? Or, uh, yeah, you know I mean, uh, what's the joint on the second record? Uh, like, um, more money, more problems. Or... Yeah, like more money, more problems. On like whatever he, you know, Puffy tapped into creatively to understand how to. I mean, even from Uptown, like in Mary J. Blige, and sort of the, you know, kind of pushing the 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 the. the I'm, I'm, we wouldn't consider Mary J. Blige New Jack Swing. What, what is that? What is that? I mean, like, I, I kind of that? that's an interesting point. I mean, <laughs> I kind of. I mean, there's a space of it's not New Jack Swing, but it was the precipice of exp- like we. I think we we started to have hip hop influenced R and B before we had R and B influenced hip hop. So I think New Jack Somehow. Swing was n- was not necessarily New Jack Swing wasn't hip hop influenced R and B. It was just the sound of the time. Done right. by and done by Teddy right. Riley, one of the best producers ever to do anything. Right. Then Diddy takes the what he's hearing on Uptown mixtapes, right? Essentially, he's right. taking a very Harlem like a thing, and then took Harlem and then sold it to you. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and sold you the thing that was happening on Ron G mixtapes as a new music. Mm-hmm. And so then went do, from doing hip hop influenced R and B to R and B influenced hip hop, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, which again, I think his there is a genius there, right? That doesn't. There's a genius there that's not X's and O's. I guess is the way I could I would express it because I think do Jamie Dupree's stuff is like an X and O guy and some mm-hmm. other genius, not yeah. necessarily transcendent genius, but like but damn good. Damn good and fascinating, yeah. right? Because to come up and to, to be a dancer with Houdini, and sometimes I think we forget about him. Right. He was a dancer with Houdini. Then becomes a producer, takes two kids and, and, and creates, I would argue, some of the first marketable pop hip hop, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right? Then finds the brat, then finds Usher, Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we can forget what this guy did. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, both of them, I think, you know, their success can be obscured. So I think he's a really uh, an amazing, you know, X's and O's guy that also has had deep cultural impact where Diddy's like all cultural impact, really no X's and O's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? He He's not X's and O's. You know, he gets with J-Lo, and then by the time Jermaine Dupree got with Janet Jackson, I think her star was a little bit on the wane. So, you know, even though he went and got him a, you know, a, a superstar woman too, right? <laughs> you know, it was just kind of a little different when it was happening. Um, you know, so I, I, I do think it's it's just different in what they actually do, which is where the comparison, I think it's just a, a, a thing in our music where some of this is just difficult to measure yeah. Right. Like, okay, if you put Diddy and Jermaine Dupree together, Diddy never produced none of the songs, but they're all Puff songs, right? So if mm-hmm. you play any Biggie stuff, okay, is that Puff? Right. Do you do you get to get credit for all of them? 
Does he, yeah, does he get credit for every song Big actually did? Does he get credit for every song 112 did? Does he get song? Does he get credit for every song that he did? A, yeah, take that on. Like, the, you know, what what does he get credit for mm. versus what does Jermaine Dupri get credit for? Because he was actually in the studio. Right, right. Right. Yeah, and I imagine and that there's some Jermaine Dupri touched work that you may not know that that was uh, oh Jermaine Dupri was on that yeah he was in, he was he was one of the if you look at the credits <laughs> if you look at the right. liner notes you know what I'm saying he's one of the producers on that album on this song on that um, I mean I, that's the impression I get um, and you know and I now I'll admit that I don't I like um, some of their works you know they were not necessarily my you know what I mean like you know. At, at the times of some, it might be considered their pinnacle, I'm not sure. You know, they was also sort of like, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to listen to real hip hop. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I want to, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, but, you know what I mean? I'm not, oh, the Matriarch making it R&B. You know what I'm saying? All right, that's cool. But I, so right, therefore, right. I, don't know, I don't know the Which, extent of his. <laughs> Which is weird because, right, because, okay, Usher's Confession album. Okay, so how are we supposed to judge if Jermaine Dupree produced Confessions? Mm-hmm. And then what 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 is that compared to? Only you by one twelve. Uh, I don't know. Victory <laughs> on you know like you know you know what I'm saying like it, it, to some degree it is just different. Again, do you give Puff the credit for the whole second album, first and second album of Mary J. Blige? Mm-hmm. Right? Can he just play them? Can he just play every Mary J. Blige mm-hmm. song that he was influenced mm-hmm. on? You know, right? So right. now he don't get no Jodeci credit, do he? But he oh, should. Yeah. I guess he did, right? He should get all of Jodeci, at least the first album, the right. first and second album. He should get all of the first album, so the, the four songs that was good on the second album. You know? <laughs> like, he, he gets all of that. Do you give him Diddy? You give him all of Mace? I mean, you get Biggie? Do you give him all of Mace? Mm-hmm. Do you give him every Bad Boy remix that ever came out? Right? Yeah, and does he get? Does do you play Mary J. Block, Mar- Mariah Carey, ODB? Because it was a bad boy remix, yeah. right? And so you know that that's where it gets, I think, kind of complicated. Um, and I think the origin story of like creation and what you're responsible for, because the the person that I connect closest to Diddy is actually like Mar- uh, Barry Gordy. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not Quincy Jones, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Quincy Jones did a whole bunch, and then Quincy Jones became a broader kind of producer, like on the Michael Jackson stuff, right? Like, right, right. Because there was a whole bunch of people in there during that time, Rod Temperton and all that kind of stuff. But he clearly was the motivator, right? Mm-hmm. Where Jermaine Dupri kind of to me would be closer to an actual Quincy Jones, right? He's he's arranging and writing. Right, he's writing. Right, he actually wrote the shit. Yeah, exactly. Of of a variety of different genres, but then you still got to give him "Welcome to Atlanta." You still got to give him other stuff that he's been involved with recently, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You still got to give the guy the creation of Bow Wow for whatever matters there, right? right? So grab Bow Wow. Yeah. So you got to give this guy all of that. So I would see him as closer to Quincy Jones and and. And uh, Diddy almost closer to like, you know, Barry Gordy getting with Diana Ross, right? right. <laughs> like, 
he's not he he is not the in-house Motown band of producers, right? He is the person that saw the vision and gave the gave the feel for what it meant to be Motown, just like Diddy took. And, and again, I think he's a genius. He constantly repackages Harlem as he understands it and gives it to you. Mm-hmm. He con- mm-hmm. he constantly gives you this upward the black excellence thing. You know, we're you know, shout out to Andre Harrell, mm-hmm. who really I think created it and and, and puff ran with it, right? Right, right. As he should have, because they were close, but yeah. um I'm gonna repackage, I gave you Harlem in 92, I'll give you Harlem again. If I'm hanging out with ASAP Ferg and ASAP Rocky, he'll give you Harlem again. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Created a whole created a whole album called Money Making Mitch about Harlem. Right. Again, in like 2013. Right. Like you just so. Yeah, I think they're different. Um, And that's why I think the verses kind of gets difficult because the people we think we should be comparing often are not the same. Um, You know, again, Dre and Diddy would kind of make sense because you do know that there were other people that produced stuff. But he was the he was the executive producer. Right. Yeah. Like he would get credit for some stuff Daz probably produced. He would get credit for some stuff, for example, from Pittsburgh context that Mailman and Butter p- produced. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, when you hear the drums come in on, you know, explosive and all that kind of stuff, we know he didn't actually create the song. Right. Still right. Going, it was on a Dr. Dre album. Yep. 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 And same same way for Diddy. Where I think Jermaine Dupree is kind of in a, and I'm not saying that they're the same. But if you were going to have a comparison, it would actually be more to what's his name? Um, to Teddy Riley. Yeah, yeah, that would be more. You know what I mean? That's nice. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but the funny the shit is just the fact that, that you know, Puffy is fifty something years old, still yelling at people, talking right, about you can't mess with me, like, like you know what I mean? Like, I like all of our all, with that. all of our seriousness, and what we were just trying to talk about with music, notwithstanding. <laughs> The funny thing here is that he's still like that. Right. He's still like, no, you can't even hear me. Ah. Like, he's still yelling. Like, I love you, man, but you can't fuck with me. Whoa. Like, damn, man. Like, so, you know, all, I, suppose. I, I, I will see. It'll. I think it'll be interesting. And I think Swiss and Timberland have a an interesting challenge of, like, the cadence of these because I think the the, the locks Dipset one was so culturally profound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they were reaching these highs with like Beanie Man, and, you know, the Beanie Man and what's the name? They were reaching all these interesting highs. And then it was like Locks and Dipset. And people were kind of like, oh, okay, Locks and Dipset doing all mixtape songs. Let's see how this goes. And then, you know, Man turns in a top right. five dead or alive performance, <laughs> right? So right. That now your expectation of everything to come is going to be like, are you going to try to do what the locks did? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's, you know, so unless you get people together who really don't have no edge on it, then, you know, so I think it's going to be an interesting thing. Um, I think it will be difficult probably to get either Dr. Dre or Diddy to, to do it, Puff to do it just because yes. in some ways it signals a loss, right? In some ways, if, if someone perceives as you taking a loss, like, it helps your streaming, but that becomes a cultural thing that at least you're going to wear for at least a, a year or so, right? Like, right, you're not going right, to wear it forever. Right. Our culture, like, you know, pop culture moves too fast, so you're not going to wear it forever. 
Yeah. But but you're going to wear it. Yeah, you will. It will at least get fitted for size. You know what I'm saying? You know, and you you have a time where people are like, oh yeah, man, he did lose that that versus though. You know what I'm saying? But that but, was that was well that was well done, just fitted huh. for size. That, that was, oh man. Now every once in a while or something, maybe oh, just pop man. in there. You know how it goes. Hit it out hit it out the park, man. Yeah, I mean, like it also is I, I'm trying to think of the logistics of that performance. Like I don't really know uh you know how you like there's such a wide band of, of what could end up being played. And then it's like, the, can they only play the ones where they do at least a, a cameo? <laughs> right. <laughs> they gotta do. So, just the ones that's like, you know, be, you know, all of their hits. I mean, is it, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, I, I, well, I know for sure the logistics are like all the different performers, the different echelons that they've worked with you know, showing up is, um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right. So it's like, you're just playing a song, right? So that's like, okay, you just play the song. Is it, you know, yeah, just what, what happens there? You know what I mean? Um, and that's that competition versus collaboration thing, which mm-hmm. I think, again, everyone kind of started moving towards the, oh man, this is collaboration. Earth, Wind & Fire versus Osley Brothers. This is great. You know what I mean? And then the Jada, I mean, the locks and dipset joint just kind of threw that out the window. Like, yeah. no, we're, we're back to fighting. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> co- collaboration over confrontation. Head to head. Yeah, this is this ain't even just this ain't even just competition. This is confrontation, right? Um, and so, you know, again, that's going to be an interesting twist. So I, I just think, it, like most things in the world, kind of like the eternal conversation of is LeBron James better than Michael Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where, you know, um, people are in different lanes. And although you heard them on the radio, that doesn't mean you have to judge them towards each other because they're just different, right? Like, it's, it's like saying, who's the best rapper? And is are you saying who's had the best set of verses ever versus who has had the best commercial success, influence, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're just saying who is the best rapper, then I'm going to go to someone who's never had a bad, a bad song, right? Right. The best rapper alive to me is Black Thought. If you were right. to, if you were to use that context, right, right, right. Ne- never had a bad verse. Never, you know what I mean. Never less than is influential, but that's not what you really mean, right? You right, really right. have a broader set of things that you're saying. So I think in that way, you know. The versus collaboration concept, just because a lot of these folks are so unique in their attributes of perfection, as Shahid would say, um, <laughs> we should just, you know, let 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 them be them. But um, if they can get if they can get Puff on a joint to just see the shenanigans, I'm willing to watch Puffy be on versus. I'll shut everything else down and watch that shit. Yeah. The goop, the shit, the things that would happen with him doing that. Oh man, ain't there gonna be a bit dancing the same way? Oh man. Like, you know what I mean, cuss people out. And it, it, it's it's also, I guess, a testament to the, you know, we, we grow, we mature, we change many aspects of our behavior sometimes. But there's certain parts of us sometimes that, you know, it's, it's still in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's still in there. You know what I'm saying? Cussing people out of talking all crazy for no particular reason. You know, that's very, that's, that's you know, that, that's who the band is, like, you know. So I appreciate it. It's hilarious, though, to, to 
be, you know, and again, I guess I think it's just the piece that like if we all know somebody that that to talk wild to people, and you might think, oh, they gonna, you know, they gonna change, and then they'd be like, nah, he might still talk wild, you know, they might still cut somebody out or just, you know, whatever the case may be. So it, you know, I, I'll definitely watch it myself. You know what I'm saying? I'd be curious. You know, hopefully, if I remember when it's coming on, you know, I still got some time. Like, I don't ever know when the damn thing's coming on, and it's always. West Coast time, like, oh man, the verse is on right now. Like, oh, it's on right now. Damn. Right, the verse is on six o'clock. I'm still doing something else. <laughs> right. Like, I can't. I'm still right. Yeah, verse is on. Right, verse came on five o'clock Pacific Standard Time <laughs> on a Tuesday. Like, I'm yeah. doing something else at five o'clock on Tuesday, man. Like, I can't watch the verse. <laughs> no, that's real. Though. That's 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 real. But it didn't even. I mean, I think I think we I think we covered anything uh, so, good in order. No, man. I think we covered it all for the day. All right, so with that, um, you know, well, one, you know, go, go, you know, if you're listening, go check out Reservation Dogs. You know what I'm saying? Since feedback, also, you know, maybe take a, take your own self on a trip down to the puffy Jermaine Dupree, you know, road. See, you know, see what you come up with. But you know, what I mean, in any event, be safe. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Thank you to you for listening. You can always support the podcast by sharing, uh, rating, and subscribing wherever you listen. Um, and also by, you know, as I always say, uh, coming to patron on Patreon. Just search up Justice Raji and podcast. I did make some changes there and pre-work and where I'm trying to go with this. Um, so if you look it up, become a subscriber, save me. Um, help offset some of the costs it costs to make time to create got a lot of works and in development um looking into the next month so um and anything uh, and all things you know please check out reservation dogs um if this puffy jermaine Dupri thing comes to be that would be entertaining see how they pull that off uh, hopefully i will remember to actually catch it <laughs> me and versus don't ever be on the range on the same schedule but in any event uh please be safe heading towards you know some places at least some election season uh, coming in november so tune in you know if where you at um something's on deck you know get involved but everything man winter's coming you know, we got to get through fall but with the cold weather i mean please be safe you know get you a good coat and uh yeah we'll save you know, say the best part for later another time so thank you for listening once again peace